providing real solutions for real industry challenges. Welcome to FNF Unplugged, the talk of the title industry. Well, thanks for joining us here today on another installment of FNF Unplugged. Really happy to have with us today, Dan Elsie. Dan is the president of Real Estate One, the largest real estate brokerage in Michigan. Dan, thank you so much for taking valuable time out of your day to uh, join us here today on our podcast. Thanks, Chuck. Glad to be here. We always ask people, it's like, well, how did you get in the business? And, and of course, people familiar with Real Estate One know it's a family company and it's been a family company for, and correct me if I'm wrong, three generations or is it four generations? We're on our fourth now. Fourth generation. And uh, so... Now, from that standpoint, and so many people in the title industry uh, come into the industry because, well, their mother or father or both were involved in the title industry. But can you give us some background, you know, how you chose to become part of the family business? Not everybody whose uh, parents are in a particular line of work following that line of work. But when you got out of uh, Michigan State, go Spartans, what uh, made you decide to uh, follow in the family footsteps? Well, I think my uh, brother and I, my brother Stuart is, is my partner, so we're, we're co-presidents for the organization. But uh, both of us, I think, probably at a, probably by high school, had figured that we wanted to get in the business. We grew up in the business. We grew up, you know, weekends, I my summer jobs was painting the offices and and all those things. So it was, it, we were really uh, pretty much, and we, we were the third generation, my brother and I in the business, grandfather started it. So, so I think we kind of thought that we were going to be in the business, but what we, each of us did do was we went somewhere else first. And uh, as my father said, to go, go find a boss you hate besides me first. learn that and then come back so i went into uh, banking here locally with a local bank for a few years my brother went to uh, work for a steel company in ohio so we did that out of college respectively and then uh, after probably three years or so um, Stuart came back into the business on our accounting side i came back in the business on our commercial real estate side of things we had a, com- a decent sized commercial company back then. Stuart then went into the residential side, residential sales. I stayed in commercial sales. And then from there, we just did a lot of variety of things uh, in the company as you'd expect in any family business. And eventually he stepped into the role of running the operational side and affiliated business, which is our title, our mortgage, our insurance, our, our franchising and basically about half the company. And then I stayed on the brokerage side and, and my day-to-day view is the brokerage side of the business. So. Well, you know, that's great. And I think it's uh, so important yeah, to have a, a boss you don't like or a job you don't like. Uh, uh, when my older son was in high school, uh, he worked for someone uh, pouring concrete and laying stone walls. It was something he was interested in when he was 14, but he got to be 16. He did it. And I asked him when the summer was over. So what did you learn? You know, while you were doing this, thinking he'd say how to lay a uh, dry stone wall or pour concrete or whatever. What did you learn from this? And he said, what I learned is I never want to do this for a living. <laughs> so, yeah yeah i've had a few of those jobs too uh, <laughs> i think i think we all have so but thanks so much for that and sort of getting into uh you know the meat of things here for realty 
Michigan, uh, you know, to me, is really America in microcosm because you have one of the nation's largest metropolitan areas uh, in Detroit. You've got mid-sized cities. Some are very prosperous and doing quite well. Some of them not doing quite so well. Then you have uh, vacation and second home properties that are enjoyed by Michiganders and out-of-state residents. There are more than a few Ohioans, as I know you know, who have homes in Michigan. They don't talk about it a lot when they come back to Ohio. And of course, rural properties. Now, where do you see the residential market going for the balance of this year and, and into the first quarter of 2023? I think that there's an overlay over the entire market. And that overlay is that the market will slow down off of the peak uh, 2021 numbers. Coming out of the um, pandemic, the market was supercharged for a lot of reasons. Part of it being that the market was going very strong pre-pandemic in 2017, 18, 19 were strong years in the business. And there was pent up demand even left over from the past Great Recession that just took, it was a very slow recovery out of the Great Recession. So it just all came together for this explosion of activity. So the market across the country, whether you're rural, whether you're big city, whatever you are, you're going to see the market and with it basically driven by the interest rates going up almost two percentage points, you'll see that the market will slow down. And that was the intent. One of the biggest heat factors for inflation has been home values going up so dramatically, double digits and more over the last couple of years. So you'll see the market settle. What, what, will, what you'll notice though, is it will settle at different rates and at different levels, depending on all the different markets you described. Good old Midwest markets will probably slow a little faster than some of the hot markets like Arizona, um, Florida, Texas, um, so the Midwest tends to catch the coals first, and you'll see uh, some of the rural markets probably also settle down. And mar- the sales are off 10 12% this year compared to last year. But again, that's compared to a really good year. So we're going from a crazy market to just a good market. So it's not a panic that all- sales are off uh, 10 12%. And they'll, they'll probably cool even more the second half of this year. But Michigan has benefited from a lot of things, particularly the the vacation markets. One of the bright spots, if if you can call them any bright spots within the the time of the pandemic, has been that people have discovered from outside of Michigan, have discovered Michigan, not only the Ohio people, but California, New York, Texas, Florida, uh, Missouri have all discovered Michigan as a really cool place to live or to have a second home. So our hottest market, 2021 was our northern Michigan markets offices. That was the hottest in the state. And they're slow quite a bit this year, but they couldn't continue the pace they were at. And I think that's a permanent thing. I think you'll find that particularly Traverse City, Petoskey market, that Northwest market has been discovered and that will in the long run help consistently keep that market going strong and has been for a long time. But we have a little extra boost now. It's great to hear that. And in regard to those uh, second homes, of course, you know, God's not making more Lake Michigan shoreline. So that's, you know, that's one of the advantages, obviously, and people moving in from different states and not just from the Midwest. That's, uh, uh, that's a very interesting point, I think, because that's, we, we see that and hear that in so many other areas of the country, too, for second homes. 
the Traverse City with its airport and with its established sort of as a larger city has drawn the attention more so from, from outstate, more so than, than say on the east side of the state, which tends to still be more traditional uh, Michigan and, uh, uh, and Ohio buyers and sellers. But all boats rose during uh, the last couple of years, regardless of where you were. Well, and I know, you know, new home construction has had its share of challenges with material disruptions, both as to the availability of materials and, and cost variables that have just swung in wide directions, as well as a shortage of qualified workers. Where is new home construction in Michigan? We've seen some recent numbers that builders are retreating a bit from building new homes uh, across the country. But of course, that's a national uh, number. What are you seeing as far as new construction in Michigan? In Michigan, the builders that we've spoken with are, uh, are becoming cautious and they're retreating more as a reaction to their uh, activity levels slowing. And it's not that it's a you know hard break stop, but they're used to like a lot of sellers used to lots of people uh, stopping in open houses and opening a subdivision and getting uh, lists, people in line. And that's slowed down pretty quickly. And I think for the most part, I don't think builders are used to seeing it slow down as fast as it did in a couple of months. Usually that slowdown takes six, eight months. And they've seen that slow down in a couple of months. So they're a little worried. They still have the scars from the Great Recession. So I think you'll see builders to be pretty cautious building and certainly building spec and building properties. Now, Michigan is underbuilt, not as underbuilt as other parts of the country. We're not, Michigan is not a high population growth market compared to the Southwest and South, but still we are underbuilt. So, you know, I guess the silver lining in that is that they'll probably pull back. And where it hurts the most, actually, is the pullback will probably be more in the the more affordable new construction, because uh, those are the thinner margins and the easiest ones to cut. So we we'll, think we'll see that for the next 18 months or so will slow down. But it, it doesn't mean the builders are going to go away or the demand's going to go away. I think it'll just be we're just kicking that demand can down the road a little bit. And you'll see a, a nice burst of activity, maybe second half of next year or into into 24. Adding to that, too, what are you seeing, if I can throw in just sort of multifamily, what are you seeing as far as that in Michigan? Because we've heard of a lot of areas where multifamily construction, sometimes people who have been in really the single family home building business now are moving into multifamily. What are you seeing there at your company as far as multifamily sales and then perhaps new construction? Well, from our side, what we see for the multifamily side of the condo side, the, the home sale versus rental, and the demand there for that product is uh, the construction is still below demand. That's the sweet spot of baby boomers downsizing from their colonials to a condo. And, uh, and that demand is strong, remains strong probably for the next 10 years. So, and that's underbuilt. That particularly the the ranch condo product. So if that slows, it'll be a temporary slowdown because demand is still there waiting. For multifamily apartments, multi-unit apartments, we don't track that as closely because it's not something that that we do. But in terms of in speaking to people in the industry that are doing that and hearing that, I think uh, again that's probably closer 
to being supply and demand matching because the multifamily has been pretty strong across the country in terms of new construction. There's a lot of of, uh, capital being put towards multifamily apartment rental construction. So I don't know that that's, uh, there's even a chance in some markets that you might find that that this might be a slight overbuild for a few years there. But uh, we haven't seen that in Michigan though. That's that's other parts of the country. And shifting gears here just for a minute, Company culture is so critical in building and maintaining an energetic corporation. And we've heard that from people in, in all walks of uh, business, not just in the real estate industry. And, and you all have built and managed a company that continues to grow and prosper in the face of a lot of market challenges and changes. Uh, when I heard you speak a couple of weeks ago at Michigan Land Title, you brought up the fact that the recession in uh, Michigan, uh, the Great Recession, really started in 2006, <laughs> not, not in 2008. I was spending a lot of time in Michigan, and I was seeing that at that time. But how important is culture in that? And are there examples of things that you've done that you could share that might, you know, that would lead to adding strength in anybody's company as well as yours? Sure. Uh, every company has, every organization has some level of culture, and, and uh, ours is has grown out a lot of seeds going back to my grandfather's when he started in 1929. He started as a real estate brokerage business focusing on salespeople. And he was a very sales associate centric view of the world. And it it passed on to our father and then to to Stuart and to me and then our children who were on on the business. So so you start with that feeling, that family feeling of taking care of your your organization and, and worrying about the success of everyone in the organization. So that's the culture piece. And then think of in that the natural processes, what are the things that that come about come as a result of that? How do you view your business how do you view the day-to-day things so we and we try to do every little things from birthday cards to and our birthday cards are not off the shelf we we create unique cards that talk about of culture and silly pictures of Stuart and me as kids and under in our you know birthday parties and things and and we do um you know we recognize anniversaries we will um, give, send just random gifts to all of our employees, everyone, little things like a, we found a great umbrella that was really a nice umbrella, but people don't think about umbrellas. And we sent umbrella to all of our employees. And it just so happened the day that the umbrellas were delivered to their homes, it was rain, it rained that day. So, uh, so they really appreciated getting their umbrellas. <laughs> so we have a convention every year. We bring everyone together and, um, uh, and a lot of things that um, probably subtle things. So we just try to uh, to get out, and I spend most of my day in our branches. Uh, it's a little different now. It's a little we spend most of our day on Zooms more than anything else, talking to our salespeople. But a lot of it is that visibility and communication, and basically every day being present, being there, and as I said earlier, worrying about your people, worrying about their success and their. Uh, where they're going in lives. It's such a great point, you know, just caring about the people that you work with. And and I know that uh, you and Stuart uh, are very accessible. And I remember a couple of years ago working with Tom Lico, the president of Capital Title there, where Tom and for those of us who know Tom and for those who don't, Tom really would like to be a stand-up comedian. Uh, <laughs> yes, does he does stand-up comedy on his, in, his, in his spare time, which I don't know when that is. 
But he did a taping, I remember, where he used cardboard cutouts of you and Stu and that he was interviewing the cardboard cutouts. And of course, the cardboard cutouts didn't respond to any questions. And <laughs> so Tom, Tom had great fun with that for, as I recall, about a 10 minute taping. And then that was sent out to uh, all the employees. But uh, I thought that was great. And the fact that uh, you and Stu are, are happy to uh, participate in that. that, I think that means so much to people uh, because uh, it really provides connectivity, don't you think? It does. It does. We we spend a, a lot of people, time, resources, not just money on our foundation, our Real Estate One Charitable Foundation. That is a, um, if, if companies haven't done that, have not spent the time to create a community effort program, whether it's specifically a charitable foundation or, or some piece, that really helps galvanize everyone. We have at least an event a week probably throughout our network, maybe even more than that, uh, of some group somewhere doing something for some community. And since we're a community-based industry and, and business, the more we can do to support everything from forgotten harvest to uh, Special Olympics to a specific individual that had a hardship or family in a, in a particular neighborhood. And I think that's made a big difference in our culture. When you join our organization, there's sort of an expectation that you're going to give back to the community. And I think that just sets a view that's very helpful. That's just incredible. And again, sort of, you know, shifting gears. So we, again, I don't want to take up all of your day, but uh, we all know that, uh, you know, realty has probably never been in the national conversation as much as now. Uh, we've had, uh, we had the, the Department of Justice action with NAR. There's litigation about commission rates that continue to drag on. Um, discussion about Realty's role in fair housing initiatives and home affordability. Uh, those are a lot of topics. Some are combined, some aren't. But what are your thoughts about these issues and what impact do you think they'll have on Realty in the near future? Our industry is going through, a, like every business, is going through a, a significant uh, evolution. And it starts with technology. We talk a lot about technology and probably get tired of talking about it. But it starts with that and that our tra the transaction and the process of buying and selling a home is becoming much more efficient. And that uh, leads to some positive things in terms of uh, more people having access to capital, more people having access to homes. So it helps a little bit in the process and maybe even maybe more than a little bit in terms of giving people access to housing in terms of the fair housing initiative and people having access that didn't have before and affordability. Now, the last couple of years, the housing affordability piece has been really tough because values have jumped so dramatically. And on the fair housing side, I think we have to be very diligent and focusing and keeping that uh, in our uh, forefront of, of how we approach the business and continuing with this uh, dialogue and conversation and viewing how people have access and whether it's appraisal equality, all those issues need to keep focusing on it because we're making progress and sometimes you can be lulled into thinking, well, things are doing great, but we still have affordability gaps. We still have gaps between uh, who can afford a home and who can't. So, so that's an ongoing diligent effort that our industry has to participate in. And I, I think NAR has done a very good job of that. And, uh, and that's, that's something they should be proud of. 
In terms of the other issues, the commissions and, and all of that, I see that more as an overall market-driven push. And yes, the lawsuits and things may push things along a little faster, but the reality is, is that our industry is more efficient. You can transact quicker than you could before, going back 10 years even or, or longer. So that efficiency translates into some cost savings at some point. So that cost savings is being passed on to the consumer now and will continue to be. So I see that the fees that, that are charged to manage a real estate transaction across the board, all pieces of the transaction will continue. They have been going down, they'll continue to go down because that's where the water will seek its own level in terms of it always rolls to the benefit of the consumer at some point. On the positive side for our industry, we're also much more efficient. So we'll be able to do more transactions in the same amount of time. So I don't think that it's a dire prediction that realtors will suddenly make half the money they used to make or the title of mortgage industry will be cut in half because of it. There may be fewer participants in our industry going forward because of that. But those that are in the business will do very well and provide a wonderful service that consumers appreciate. Well, Dan, I just want to thank you so much uh, for being here today. And I'll, I'll just add a sort of a tag to it. My older son just closed on the sale of his house that he'd had for six years. And when he was thinking of selling it back in the early spring, he did toy with the idea of trying to sell it himself. And he didn't buy it himself. I pointed that out to him. And I said, you know, the marketplace is changing very quickly. And of course, you know very well, as we do in March, uh, the house that somebody could afford on March 1st by St. Patrick's Day, they couldn't afford it anymore. He said, there is no more important time that you need a realtor and someone who knows what they're doing when you're dealing in a transitional market. So I'll just add on to this and say, you can send me the five bucks later. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, now is the time that uh, never has there been a time where uh, the expertise of a good real estate agent broker have uh, been more needed. So I just want to add that and say that was something you didn't know I was going to say. Well said. That's uh, any market shift. That's when the expertise of anyone is, shines the most. Thank you. You're right. We're at Target. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today. And thanks to all of our listeners for joining us on another installation here of FNF Unplugged. And we hope that everybody has a pleasant day. If you have questions, comments, or would like us to feature a specific topic, email fnfeducation at fnf.com. Thanks for downloading FNF Unplugged, a presentation of the FNF family of companies, all rights reserved. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent, including Fidelity National Financial or its directors. Please seek legal or financial advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.